0: Hey, good morning everybody. Um, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, this A uh, couple years ago at Stonebrook we had a service. We called it Awkward Sunday. Anybody here that still remembers Awkward Sunday? Awkward Sunday was a day where we... Uh, we just told everybody that volunteers or does anything at all to not do it. There was no band. We just showed up, and it was awkward so uh it's not necessarily exactly what we're doing today, but today's sort of going to be an awkward type of sunday um if you are if you're here for the first time <clears throat> or maybe you've just been coming to Stonebrook for a little while, today you sort of get to just chillax and relax and clock out if you want to check out facebook daydream wonder why you ever even came to this church to begin with whatever you'd like to do but i'm not talking to you today okay so you sort of get a pass you can tell god hey i was there he wasn't talking to me so i still get credit something like that but um, today what i'm going to do is talk to those that you would consider yourselves jesus followers and you would consider yourself stonebrook members um, and, and just, I'm just going to sort of share my heart. If it doesn't come out um, right, maybe they'll, like first service I did this. Have you ever had a heart-to-heart talk with somebody? And you like, you know, you needed to share what was from your soul. And you, you know, sit down. We have to have, we got to have this heart-to-heart talk. i gotta, I got to share with you, be honest, be vulnerable with you. And just let you know what, what's going on inside me. Have you ever had one of those talks? How many of you had? How would you like to then have to do it again? <laughs> that's sort of what, when you have two services, that's sort of what, what happens. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm just going to be honest about some things this morning and try to, to get you to see some things about Jesus, that if you call yourself a Jesus follower, that, that you need to see. And that I need to see and that we need to change. Um, this, this thought of what I was going to talk about this morning, it's not really a message. I haven't really prepared that much. I just have a few slides. But um, what sort of prompted it is a couple of days ago, late at night, I was missing my daughter. My daughter's named Kristen. She moved out recently. She's a nurse in Springfield. And I don't get to see her nearly as much as I'd like to. And Kristen's sort of daddy's girl. And we are a lot alike. She sort of gets me, and I get her, and we're both sort of weird. And we're the only people that are weird in our family, and we're the only people we know that are like each other. So we love to talk to each other. And I hadn't got a chance to talk to her much. So what I did, in order to sort of feel like I had a connection to her, is I stalked her Instagram. So I was looking. I hadn't been on Instagram. I don't. I don't get on Instagram very much. But anyway. But I was checking out what she'd been doing the last couple of weeks. And so it just, it turned into about an hour and a half of just going back in time and looking at all our Instagrams. And I know some of you are thinking, dude, you need help. Just get help. You need a counselor or something. But uh, what ended up happen then, happening then is she had some pictures from like a couple of years ago when we when we'd first started Stonebrook. And she had some pictures of me and... Um, she said some things about me. But then in the background, there was uh, a slide on the screen and different things like that. And it, it sort of jogged me um, as, and sort of reminded me, took me back to when we first began this church we call Stonebrook, that we wanted it to be different. We had a different mission. And um, in, in this video we just showed you um, about different people that said, this seat saved me. It's just a story that we've heard over and over and over again of I mean, literally hundreds of people, well over 300. I stopped counting. We're eventually going to start counting again because I could sense that maybe we were getting a little too proud about it. You know what I was saying? Yeah, 200 people got saved this year. And I, I didn't ever want it to become a pride issue. So I stopped counting that. I think somebody still does count, but they don't tell me. But week after week after week, people are accepting Christ. And, but... Um, and just the stories, the stories I've heard even this morning of men whose, whose lives have been changed, men who want to get involved, who never went to church before. Their wife couldn't drag them to church. And, you know, they've been here a few weeks and want, want to get involved and talk about how their marriage has been changed. We hear that over and over again. Our marriage has been, been changed. I, I, I had a, face, a Facebook message this week, and I sort of wanted to share this, For some of you that maybe are in the parking lot, but sometimes when you're serving in various areas or maybe you're you're giving of your time, you're giving of your money, and you you think, well, is it really making an impact? Uh, There she is. She's walking up the oh, I'm going to tell your story. Can I tell your story? I'm putting, yeah. You put it on Facebook for Pete's (laughs) sake. This is Megan, by the way. I've embarrassed her now in front of everyone. Hello, Megan. She's, she moved to, you're in Rolla, right right? And she hasn't been here for a long time because she's been in Raleigh, but she, well, there you were walking up the aisle. That's just such a weird thing. Let me tell a story about, it. oh, there she is. I said it was Awkward Sunday, and it's going to be Awkward Sunday. Um, but Megan, and she can tell you her story probably better than me, um, sent us a Facebook message that, where she, she had been, she had tried to go to various churches and, uh, her son, Liam, you know, she, it, she, she felt like she had to live up to a certain expectation or a certain look, they had to dress a certain way, and it's, she's, a, you know, lives as a single mom and trying to get him ready and get herself ready and going, going to various churches where she felt condemned for the way she looked or she didn't act the right way or whatever. And she tells the story of it was, some, it was a cold really cold morning when no one should have been out. And she, she just went out on Sunday to, to the gas station or something, and she drove by a club, Area 151, and there were people out there bundled up in their coats with hot chocolate, waving. <laughs> I'm sure thinking, why does Mark have us out here? Why am I doing this? Jesus won't even come out here. It's so cold. And um, Megan simply said, if those people are crazy enough to be out here in this freezing cold, waving, I have to stop and see what this is all about and basically her, her life was changed by it but that that 's why we that 's why we did this and, and and this this is the scripture that was on my daughter 's Instagram that I was talking about, and this i I, I may be a strange person it, it may just be because of the way I am. When I read this, I can't help but cry. I'm not even reading it yet, and I'm already starting to cry. And uh, someone handed me a tissue. Rachel handed me a tissue in the last service. I've never been handed a tissue, but have them handy, because it's going to get ugly. This is uh, from from the book of Mark. It says later, Levi. "Levi Levi's another name for Matthew, Jesus' disciple, invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. Along with, what's the next word? Many. Many. (laughs) I can't get through this (laughs) oh I have to laugh so I don't cry so hard and and when I was stalking your Instagram I sat there on the couch at 2.30 in the morning just crying for like 5 or 10 minutes because I was like yeah yeah okay I'm sorry I'm going to read it many tax collectors and other disreputable what's the word sinners Sinners. and this parenthetical part years ago (laughs) this changed the way (laughs) I can't get it I'm trying to talk without crying. I'm such a big sissy. Uh, this changed the way that I viewed God, church, and people. <laughs> I may just have to turn around and cry. Because I was raised to believe that I, if I went to church and I did certain things, and I acted a certain way, and I read my Bible, which I did, and I prayed a lot, which I did, that I was somehow better than other people. Now, they never said that. They didn't say, if you read your Bible and you pray and you come to church, which I did all the time, and you work in the church, which I did all the time, you'll somehow be better than other people. But the notion was given that, you know, those that are out there that aren't here today, you know, we, because you're here, because you're doing this, because you're doing certain things, that uh, you're accepted by God and they're not. And you're better. But this little parenthesis changed my life. It says, there were many people. (laughs) It's terrible to see a grown 50-year-old almost man cry. There were many people of this kind. Another tissue? My mascara is running. Uh, There were many. Can you just say that word with me? Many, many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. And I saw that that's what a gathering, that's what a Jesus crowd looks like. More tissues? Wow. These are so many napkins, I I feel like I need a pizza now. (laughs) There were many, many people of this kind among Jesus followers. That church, if it was to look like Jesus' church service had to be a place where, number one, the people that were there didn't consider themselves above others. That the people that were there probably considered themselves disreputable sinners, but certainly wanted to welcome and accept and invite and welcome with open arms people that the rest of the church world in this country are rejecting and are indeed not accepting. We wanted to create then a church that looked like that. And we talked about we just there's there's plenty of churches. I don't have anything against them. I'm not speaking bad about them. But there are plenty of churches already where people who are already in and don't want to be around disreputable sinners can go. If you're a Christian and a, a Jesus follower, and you get upset with something that we do here at Stonebrook, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to find another church and go to heaven. Poor thing. But the worst thing that's going to happen to thousands of people, in my opinion, that perhaps don't have... It's not that they don't love or want to know God. And that's the thing that actually shocked me. Five, six, seven years ago, it was... There are all kinds of people that aren't church people. They don't go to church. It's not because they don't like Jesus. It's because they don't like church. They don't like church people. <laughs> They've met Christians. They've had interactions with Christians. And they're like, whoa, if I have to be that, no thanks. They they just don't see a, a way to God. They don't see an avenue. There's not a, a vehicle. There's not a facility where they can relax, where they can get to know other people. See, church is not a building. We've said that from the beginning. Jesus, when he said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. That's what Jesus is about. That's what his heart is. If you ever want to know, how can I get involved in doing what Jesus really likes? He really likes church. But church to him is a gathering. It's the Greek word ekklesia. It simply means a gathering. It has nothing to do with a building. The the word church in English comes from a German word, kruitsch, which means a building. And unfortunately, when we talk about church, that's what we think about. But Jesus came to to say, you know, it's, it's not about a holy place with holy men, with holy scriptures, where you have to go to meet God. It's about a gathering of people. And when we as Jesus followers gather together, the New Testament calls us the body of Christ. What that means is, when we're together, we're the closest that people can get to Jesus and still be on the earth. When they, when they gather with us, they should sense that there's something different. I may not necessarily understand everything they're saying. I may not necessarily even believe what the dude on the stage that cries a lot is saying. But there's something different. It's not like what I've been before. And I, I think... I think this Jesus person might be real. I think I'll come back in and hear some more. And that's, that's what we sought, out, sought to do. And, and, and as I begin to stalk her Instagram even more, there was another slide that uh, <clears throat> I had put on a, on a screen in a service a few years ago. And, and it says this, Be more concerned about the people you're trying to reach than the people you're trying to keep. People ask me from time to time, well, "What's the What, what do you, you say you... Because we've, we've always made the statement, what if church was different? We asked that question from the beginning. Uh, what, what if church was different? Because people in general are staying away from church in huge crowds. Every Sunday there are huge crowds of people somewhere else, actually. And, but we begin to ask the question, what if it was different? What if there was something that was actually kind of fun and it wasn't condemning and judgmental and we just talked about Jesus a lot? How about that? And um, people ask, what's the difference in Stonebrook? Is it, it's that you have cool music? Is it that you have, you know, you have smoke machines and lights and you have a guy that leads the, the band that has a man bun? Is that it? That's what makes it, isn't it? And I, yes, that's what it is. We have a man bun, that's why. But no, no, the difference is a a basic core philosophical change in the way that we as Christians think And it's a hard thing to change in the first place, and it's a really hard thing to maintain. But it's this idea that instead of being a church for us and insiders, wouldn't it be weird if we formed an organization with members that the organization wasn't for them? It's sort of a strange concept. Church is a place where people get together and are part of this group and this organization, but it's not for them, it's for people that aren't there yet. And it's sort of weird because as soon as people come in, we're like, this is for you. And like two weeks later, we're saying, oh, it's not for you, it's for them. <laughs> and we know, in fact, we're working on those things, uh, taking better care of people that are already here. We know that once, once you have a baby, those of you that have had kids, you know that once you have a baby, the work just starts, the work just begins. You don't just say, well, I did my job buddy; you're on your own. No, <clears throat> you have to develop that child and you have to care for that child. But Jesus came and the religious leaders, He was constantly telling them, you know, it's really not about you. In fact, you guys are the problem. You religious people, you the, the Christians of Jesus' day, he, they, those were the ones that Jesus was constantly, He was yelling at them. He was frustrated with them. He was telling them, you guys are hypocritical. You're selfish. You're just thinking of yourself and what you want while there are lost sheep And all you care about is, well, you know, we have 99 here. But Jesus said, you have to leave the 99 and go look for that one. It's an attitude change. That is the essence of what I think Jesus is, what He wants His church to be. It's the essence of what the first disciples, the earliest church in the book of Acts, it's, it's the core of who they were. They gave up their lives. They gave up their money. They gave up their time. They gave up their family. <clears throat> and sometimes it did actually cost them martyrdom where they had to give up their lives because they got this message that Jesus came to, to say, it's not about you. The reason you were put on this earth the reason you live is to change them. Because he wants this world changed. You know, we're in the middle of a presidential cycle. Did you notice that? I could ask, but I don't want to start fighting. Oh, it might, might be sort of fun. How many are for Trump? How many are for Hillary? You know, let's have, real, let's have some showdowns here in church. But here's the thing whether you're a Hillary fan, and that's great, you're welcome here. Whether you're a Trump fan, that's great, you're welcome here. I don't know even who the other people are. I don't pay enough attention. There's people there in the middle, I think. Those are kind of the two extremes. But the thing is, if you're expecting them to change this nation, you're going to be so disappointed. I'm not really, really old, but I'm almost 50 years old. I'm saying that just to just prepare myself. Six more months, I'll actually be there. So I try to say how old I am six months ahead to get myself prepared. How many of you are 50? At least 50, by the way. Does it hurt? It's great. You, Yvonne, I, you look great for 50. You look marvelous, darling. Um, so but, so I'm trying to prepare myself. But I've seen lots of presidents of all different flavors, conservative, liberal, anything you want to mention. Nothing changes, okay? America's not going to change because whoever gets involved. I'm not saying don't be involved in the political process and please go out and vote Yes, amen, but it's not going to change this country. The only thing that will change peop- this country is like we showed in this video where they said, I was this, and I was lonely, I was searching. We, uh, so many, so many stories. I, I, I told Megan's story, but I could, tell, I could sit here and tell stories for hours of people that say, we, we had an email just two weeks ago from a lady in North Carolina. She's never been to Stonebrook. She emailed and said, Stonebrook has changed our marriage. She's never been here, but her husband was here for three months, uh, taking an engineering course out of Fort Leonard Wood. She said, it's revolutionized our marriage. We've been changed. Thank you for what you do. Over and over and over again that happens because the only thing that really changed people is their hearts being changed. You can't legislate it. You can't. Sure, make whatever laws you think will help the, the, the natural things, great. But the only thing that will bring permanent change, the only thing that will make our community, your workplace, uh, the, the county that we live in any better, is people's hearts have to be turned around by a relationship with Jesus. Now the trouble is, how do you do that? First of all, you have to be more concerned about the people you're trying to reach than the people you're trying to keep. And the trouble with that is Christians then. Remember, I'm talking to Christians. Christians have to sacrifice something. Christians have to not be selfish. Christians have to realize. For example, I just, you know, this is Honest Sunday. Um, but you, you know, I, I know Christians right now that aren't here this morning because they're mad because nobody called them because they were gone a couple weeks. And we said from the beginning, and, and, and that's, that stuff weighs on me. I've never said, I've always said, I don't have a pastor's heart. But I'm getting scared that I may actually have one. Because when, anytime somebody's hurting for any reason, it just, it keeps me up at night. Ask my family. It's, it's something I, I obsess over, I stress over, you know. But this, when I was stalking my daughter's Instagram, once again, that's the name of the title of this message, by the way, is Instagram Stalking 101 is to remind ourselves that we have to focus more on those we're trying to reach than those we're trying to keep. And Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in Atlanta, he says it this way, that there's a gravitational pull that happens in all churches, and I can feel it. If you're not intentional about it, if you don't keep on top of it, if you don't constantly talk about it and remind ourselves, you'll notice that we are are humans, I'm human. I begin to think of what I want more. I notice even in some of my conversations that I have with Joe about how we plan our services. I'll I'll say some things and then I'll think, well, the only reason I want him to sing that song is because I like it. Well, who cares what I like? We're not trying to reach me. This isn't a church that's trying to get their pastor saved. Sometimes you may think so. I know. But there's this gravitational pull away from outsiders and toward insiders. It's something you have to fight and remind yourself about. Um, And we said this from the very beginning, that to reach those no one else is reaching, you must do what no one else is doing. And that's more than just a clever phrase. It's, It's the basis for what we have to refocus our attention on. Because we're after reaching those no one else is reaching. If they're already in a church, we're not interested. We're People come from other churches and we're glad, fine, you're welcome here, as long, if you're a Christian, as long as you understand that this church is not a- about you. And that's hard for some of us to hear. It's hard for American Christians to hear. When, when I first started uh, having this idea about doing this church, I, I argued with God a lot, I had a lot of conversations, a lot of prayer. And I tried to let God know that He didn't know what He was talking about because I told Him American Christians are too selfish to do this. This won't work in America. Now, let me go to Africa. We can do this thing. Because those people will walk 10 miles and stand in the sun all day long just to hear you say, Jesus loves you. And then they'll come forward in droves to accept Him. And there's so much need there. Let me go there. But I think one of the greatest needs on the face of the earth right now is for this generation of Americans that have been either hurt by church or they've, they've, they've seen the hypocrisy in, in us Christians and they've seen that we don't act like Jesus. I think the greatest need is this generation to be reached and to be welcomed and to be loved and to see that God is crazy about them. Clean up, aisle seven. And once... to have have a relationship with him but the question is how do we do that well jesus said it this way he said to the crowd and once again this is jesus talking not to first timers this is jesus talking to his disciples Jesus had a message. He's almost, Jesus is a weird person. He's almost a contradiction in terms many times. There are lots and lots of scriptures that I have overlooked for years because I didn't like the message. And people always tried to explain, well, Jesus must, he didn't really mean that. He he couldn't have meant that. But Jesus, when he's talking to people that are first coming, his message is come and see. We talked about that last week. That Jesus simply said to people, oh, you know, come and see what it's about. Sure, just come and see. Come check it out. But after a while, Jesus' message begins to change. As people follow Him, He expects there to be an adjustment in our attitude. He expects there to be adjustment in the way that we live. How we we deal with our time. How we deal with our families. How we deal with our money. How we deal with each other. And He says this. He said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Ouch, Jesus! Were you talking to Americans? I think he's talking to Americans today. Because American Christians are selfish. We simply, simply think of ourselves. Turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross. Now the first century audience would have heard very clearly that this means death. To take up your cross, today we would say, take up your electric chair. In other words, this is going to hurt this is going to be painful. This is going to cost you something. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Following Jesus is for, for, for a person that's been at it. Once again, you're here for the first time. You're sort of just considering Jesus. I guess you should know up front, if you eventually take a, a step across that line of faith to become a Jesus follower, it's going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to you and it's going to cost you everything if you're going to go all the way with it. But that's why eternity is so amazing. There's more to life than just this life. There's more to life than just your family and going to the Cardinal game on Saturday night and buying a new car and buying a new truck. There's more than that to just surviving, making it to the weekend so you can play golf. And maybe I can retire when I'm 65 and fish. Those aren't life goals. Those are things that in the scope of eternity, it's just like snapping a finger. When I was a youth pastor, I don't know why this, I'm going to try to bring some comic relief perhaps to this. You know, the Bible says in the book of James that our life is like a vapor. Have you ever read that? And when I was a youth pastor, I was always trying to get the kids' attention. And I I remembered a story once that in, in Victorian times, I don't know if you've ever read this, sometimes ladies would like pass out on the couch and they said they had the vapors. Well, what it means was they needed to fart. And so I explain to the kids, your life is like a fart. And they've never forgotten it. Some of them are 40 years old. And they'll say, you know, I always remember that when I think about my life. And I start planning my goals. I remember that Mark said, my life is like a fart. (laughs) Some of you are just surprised you said fart in church. Would you like to join me and say that? One, two, three. Yeah, some of you are too holy to do it. You just wouldn't do it. (laughs) But Jesus said it this way. He he goes on and he says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. The message that Jesus has to you as a Christian today is you need to give up your life. You need to take up your cross. You need to turn from your selfish ways. And if you don't know of any selfish ways that you have, that's the first step in recognizing that, Hey, I have some selfish ways. There's some things where I'm only thinking about me. There's some things in my relationship with God, in my relationship with my church, even, to where perhaps I'm not really getting what we're about, because I'm just thinking about me and what I want. Paul, the Apostle Paul, said it this way. And these are more more than simply words you pass over. And also, here's here's another thing. My I've had people say, because sometimes we'll get in conversation with Maybe people that are closer friends or closer relationships, and they'll talk to us about Stonebrook, and they'll ask different questions. And Jeanie and I will talk about you know the things that we do and the things we've given up and how you know we we work from daylight till dark and never have a day off and all these different things like that. And they're like, well, that's you know you're called to do that. That that's your calling. Do you know that's not really a New Testament? In the New Testament, we are. That, that distinction between priest and layman, between priest and parishioner, is eliminated. We are all that's that's why, you know, I hear Christians many times saying, you, you, know, you know, you just can't win this culture to Jesus. The world's you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, Satan is taking over or whatever, all kinds of different statements they'll make. And you know, things are just going downhill. I hope Jesus returns quickly and takes us out of this mess. That is such an un-Jesus thing to say. We're all called. You don't have to be a pastor, prophet, apostle, evangelist, teacher, preacher, dude on a stage. We're all called to have an attitude like this. Paul says, my life is worth nothing to me. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. But that's the purpose for our existence. And when you think of your life in in terms of eternity, over and over the New Testament says, you know, the sacrifice now may seem great, but it will seem as nothing when we see Him. And when we live forever and ever and ever and with the glory of being in His presence and the, the rewards and the, the, the amazing environment that we will exist in for eternity as Jesus' followers. This time on earth, whatever sacrifice it may be, is nothing in the light of that. So we said, what if church was different? That was our question that we begin to ask. And so are, are, are we really that different? Um, so here's, here's why I'm, I'm saying all this. We are. Um, we've talked a little bit about this the last few weeks. That we are at a place in the history of Stonebrook where it became necessary for us to become more permanent. We've been portable for a little over three years in many different locations, and it simply is not sustainable that way. There is not a place that we can meet on an ongoing basis. Um. Remaining portable, that will hold us, that will allow us to expand, that will allow us to do the things we need to make sure that there are many disreputable sinners in our midst. It's something that you know I I cry when I read that scripture. There's there's hardly a day goes by that I don't pass somebody, or I don't see a group of people, or I don't, or I don't see a situation on Facebook or other social media or whatever, and. The tears start to flow with how do we reach those people? It has to become a a thing where all of us as Jesus followers begin to adjust our thinking away from ourselves, our lives, our house, our jobs, our families, our vacations. Nothing nothing wrong with any of those things. But the thing is, the thing that has to be foremost on our minds are others. But we've come to the place where we have to be in a more permanent situation, I've, I've tried everything I could do not to do it. There's nothing in me that wants to build the building that we're building. Nothing. Every morning and late night when I leave around 10, there's nothing in me that wants to do that. It's hard. And I have frankly reached a place where I sort of hit a wall with it. Um, mentally, spiritually, physically. Just sheer exhaustion, frankly. And... Um, It's a frustrating thing. And I've tried to not show that frustration. Different people have said, you need to show that frustration. And it's not frustration with people or anybody individually. It's it's knowing that if we can have this place that's ours, that we can design the service even more effectively, that we can make this preparation for people that are coming, that we can, I believe... Change our community because people's hearts will be changed. The way we are now, both in in a place to have church, we cannot exist in our current situation. We have to have the building. The trouble with the building, with the current amount of finances and help in building it, because we are building it ourselves, it has to be done by a certain time because we have nowhere else to go. So the frustration is few people helping, and a few people giving. Now here's the thing. I When I start to talk about this, the trouble is, we have given a lot already. A few. A few have given a lot. And you don't know how much I appreciate that. And that's the thing. Because I, I, I genuinely am so grateful for those of you that you have sacrificed, you've given. You've given money you didn't have. I do not take it lightly, believe me. I have made so many vendors and subcontractors upset and engineers and architects. I've chipped away and chipped away at every little thing because anytime I go to spend money, because I, I built, I was a contractor for oh, 18, 20 years. You say, I knew there was something I didn't trust about you. Um, but I built, I don't know, we built 400 houses or so around here. And when you're building a lot of houses at once, like we built almost 100 houses a year, a couple years, Certain things start to not matter to you anymore. It's simply a cost of business, um, doing business. Oh, that's going to cost an extra thousand? Will it save us a day? Yeah, go for it. And then you just move on. And, you, you know, certain things, you just, that, that's what it costs. But when I'm working on this church, I see you guys. When something's going to cost an extra hundred dollars, I don't say, well, that's just a hundred dollars. It's not my hundred dollars. It's your hundred dollars. It's $100 that you could have used on something else. And you you chose to give it to Stonebrook to create a place where people could come and learn about Jesus. I take that very, very seriously. We've gotten some really good deals simply because I see your face and say, you know, this isn't my money. It's their money. And I, I do not take it lightly, and I appreciate that. But in order to get this done, it takes more than just a few doing a lot. Because we've come to a place where a few doing a lot is not going to get it done. I can work harder and sleep less, and it won't get done. I don't, I don't personally have more money to give toward it, and there's people that have given all they can give. They can't give any more. And so there's, the frustration is, it just takes a little bit more to get there, and I don't know how to get there. And it's going to take a group of Christians, American Christians, in Waynesville, Missouri... To decide, okay, and this is what I'm asking. I'm going to be specific in what I'm asking. For the next six months, I want you to give up your life. I want you to give up your life. Not for me, because it's not going to benefit me at all. That building gets up. The building situation, getting bigger like this, more stuff. The... the, the Businesses that we're trying to get organized to go in there in order to produce an income so we don't have to ever talk about money. It's just more headaches. It's more time. It's more involvement. It's more struggle. It's more me staying up at night saying, How are we going to do this? It doesn't benefit me at all. But I, I'm to the place where when I read that there are many people of this kind among Jesus followers... I can't personally walk up to Him someday because I live every day with the knowledge and this is what I'm trying to transfer to you that as a Jesus follower, you need to live every day with the knowledge that you're going to walk up to Him someday. And He's going to ask you questions. I can't walk up to Him and say, you know, I just did what I wanted to. I just, you know, I I wanted that new thing or I, I needed to go out every Friday night to this expensive place or whatever and I didn't care about them. And so we couldn't get it done. Sorry. Thanks for all you did for me. Thanks for that dying on the cross thing. Appreciate that. And I'm not trying to guilt people into doing something. I'm really not. I hate that. And I hate that it even sounds a little bit. I hear myself sometime, and I think, ooh, it sounds like you're trying to, you know, hey, Jesus died for you. Don't you think you should do something? It's not what I'm trying to do. But we've got to get to a place, if we're going to do this, and, and that's the bottom line. If we can't get the building done, Stonebrook is over. It's just the way it is it won't, there's no there's no other place to go. There's no other way to do it than I know of. You know, you can't meet out in the middle of the interstate. I guess you could, but you won't have that great a crowd and people won't be able to hear you preach. So, so here's the deal. Go ahead and put that up that uh org. What we're asking everybody to do and let me be as clear as I can is in order to get the building done, what we need is 1,000 seats to turn green. And the way a seat turns green is if a 1,000 people save a seat, buy a seat, however you want to say it, 200 bucks, I believe we'll have the money to finish the building. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. You don't have to have, number one, $200 today. It's something $10. And here's the thing that I'm doing. I have cousins and aunts and uncles that they don't necessarily like me that much, but they would if i send them a letter, they'd give me $10 just for me to stop annoying them. You know what I'm saying? And they don't have to have the $200. $10, $20, $30 here, it eventually adds up. There's people that could buy a whole, whole row, a whole section. Fine, that's great. But what we want is everyone. Everyone to be involved in it. It's the only way that I know to get there. I simply don't know any other way. So I want you to know that the need is there. I've had other leaders say to me, and I've found it to be true, I think people just don't know. They show up every week, and everything's still working, everything is right, and they don't know the struggle and the sacrifice that a few are making behind the scenes to make this happen, that in order for it to continue, that has to spread beyond a few to many to get that done. So I'm simply asking over the next six months, can you give up your life, so that many disreputable sinners will have a place to meet and hang out with Jesus. And that's what I'm asking, both financially and with actual help on the building. Because we're, we're sort of hitting a place with that even, where the few that are working on it, it it's hard to keep them encouraged and motivated. You know, I, I even hear some of them say, you know, certain things, and it's, back to one of the guys on the video that his life has been changed he's there all the time working and he looks around and sometimes he'll even say i don't i don't see some of the other church leaders or people here and and i'm trying to keep him motivated and trying to keep him encouraged but we simply need help and i'm so i'm coming to you today to be as vulnerable and honest as i can possibly be and say i can't and we small group of people can't do this by ourselves. is it something that's worth doing Is it worth having the stories like Megan's and so many other people's story where they've been changed? I wish someday I need to get Jeremy Cole to tell his story. I've used Jeremy in two services and embarrassed him now. But uh, I would love him sometime. We may need to shoot a video. I'm going to cry again. (laughs) Jeremy, but you're you're one of the reasons that I keep doing this. That we keep doing this. Because he was far from God. I'm not sure. Did you even believe in God at all? Your wife is shaking her head. No. She's like, no. And I remember he came to a life group and asked questions. And we did our best to answer his questions. And I don't even know why he comes to this church. But he keeps coming back. And he serves. And for some reason, he thinks that this Jesus thing is real now. And if it takes every dime and every breath that I have, I want more Jeremy's. But I want you to capture that same thought too. And some of you have. Some of you have done so much, and I'm so grateful. <clears throat> it's just got to spread because there are so many more of him out there that think this Jesus thing is a joke because they've seen people that have the Jesus t-shirt, and they're a joke. And I'm sorry. Those of you that are here that have experienced that, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm a little sorry that this is the Sunday you picked to come to Stonebrook for the first time. <laughs> You're like, see, that's how Christians are. They put up a thing and they want me to buy a seat. Why am I here? Please come back. Well, like the 13th of September. Come back. We're starting a new series. It'll be great. I won't cry on the 13th of September. I promise. But that's what I'm asking. Um, Get your friends involved. Get your family involved. Get on Facebook. Tell people, hey, this is what we're doing. This church has affected me. Maybe you have the money. Maybe you don't. Tell them, hey, I don't have the money to do this, but it's really changed my life. Would you help us with this? We just need a little bump and we're there. And I think it'll change this world. So I'm going to pray and try not to cry during my prayer. You're welcome to cry if you want. You may cry because of this sermon that Poor guy. That's as good as he can do. Bless his heart. But um, I, I want to pray for us as we leave, and I want I want you to take action. I want you to give up your life, get involved, and help us do this thing. Father, in Jesus' name, <sighs> this, this this sort of an awkward thing. Jesus, I, I watch you as as you talk to crowds in different ways. Sometimes you acted. A certain way, and you said they were so welcome, but then the religious people, the people that should have known God, that were acting so hip- hypocritical and selfish, I saw you just blast them. and I don't want us to be a, a part of that crowd, sir. I want us to be changed. Help us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. We, we've decided to be like you. We've decided to follow you. Help us to change our mindset. I have so much in me still, Lord, that is so selfish so self-centered. Help me to be more like you. Help us together as a family, as the body of Christ here in Waynesville. To be an example of who you are so that people will sense there's something different about who you are and come to know you. Because that's what, that's what we're after. We want people to have a relationship with you. Help us to do that. Help us to prepare a place for that to happen. We love you, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys for hanging out today. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.